You're listening to Inside the Ropes, Australia's must-listen-to golf show with exclusive content from both home and abroad. Subscribe now through your favourite podcast app. Hello and welcome to the Australian Golf Show where we take you inside the ropes with your co-host Mark Allen and myself, Tip Cherry. Marco, awesome to be joining you once again. I remember having a brief golf lesson with you a few years back. Didn't do me much good, but uh, now I get to talk golf with you every week. No, well, I'm looking forward to it. And it is an absolute privilege to be talking about Australian golf. You know, this isn't my podcast, it's not your podcast. This is Australian golf, the industry itself, the podcast. And we're going to have that many connections along the way. We'll be talking to some fantastic people. Um, And I'm really looking forward to making it, you know, the national conversation about where golf is, how we can improve it, how more can enjoy um, and you know how we can spread this great game to so many people. I, I'm really looking forward to it personally. Absolutely. And uh, we've got some big names joining us this week and for weeks to follow. So let's take you through how each show will roll. First of all, you can follow us on Twitter, and which is the handle at Aust, A-U-S-T, Golf Show, and send in any suggestions, ideas for interviews you may have to our email media at golf.org.au. So every week we'll have a special guest joining us who's been cherry-picked um, we'll have Queensland rising star Karis Davidson is our focus this week. Oh, fantastic. Can't wait. I'm looking forward yeah. to that. Yeah, her journey, she uh, sits on the cusp of qualifying for the LPGA, which is pretty awesome. We'll also check in with the Gazelle, Golf Australia Media Manager Martin Blake with all the highlights of our up-and-coming and top Aussie golfers, both at home and abroad, and, of course, all the news around, uh, around the traps. We've got Marco's Masterclass with our resident pro, yourself. You're going to teach us how to teach us how to swim. Well, I like. I look, I had a good look at Hideki Matsuyama last week, and I'll, I'll give you more a little bit later in the show uh, when the masterclass comes on. But I'll tell you what, Tip, I'd like to really start, and let's get off to a cracking start. I'm, I have genuine concern for our Australian tournaments and where they're positioned and what's been happening to them. Now, we're very lucky now that we work in amongst Golf Australia and the PGA Tour. Um, and I would love to know what they're thinking. So hopefully down the track we're going to get them in and they're going to tell us. But for the life of me, now is the opportunity. You know, you've heard that saying, never waste a good crisis. Now is the opportunity to come out of what's happened to this country in COVID. There's no Australian PGA in Queensland. There's no Australian Open that was scheduled to be in Sydney. We missed out the one last year at Kingston Heath in Victoria. Mm. And my, my biggest issue is where the golf tournaments, what where they are placed in the calendar year. The Australian Open and the Australian PGA are basically right next to Thanksgiving in America. But more importantly, these days, with the wraparound season, so once upon a time, a season started in January or February or March. You know, if you go back to the 70s on the US tour or the, or the European tour, that's not the case anymore. These, yep. these schedules for the men and the women, for everybody, they start pre-Christmas. And, you know, we're going to be talking to Matty Griffin pretty soon, but if Matty Griffin had a tour card um, in America or even Europe, he wants to get off to the greatest start possible to take all the pressure off at the tail end of the season. So I don't think we're going to get the fields that we crave in Australian golf when we've got our Australian Open for the men up against the, uh, you know, the big tournament that we have um, uh, up against Thanksgiving and up against the start of the season. Now, we see where the ladies' event is, and that's at the other side of Christmas, and so is the new Victorian Open as well. And the buzz around those tournaments 
I think, and I've been broadcasting and doing sports programs for the last 20 years, the buzz around those tournaments in the second, you know, the second half of our summer in Australia, you just get more people interested. Yeah. And, and I think this is the reason. Too often the first tournament of the year is up against the first test at the Gabba. Now, James Sutherland, who's taken over as the CEO of, of Golf Australia, he'd know this. I mean, I can remember the Australian Open a couple of years ago. I'm not sure which, which one it was. But it was up against the first test of the Gabba. And where do you think all the focus went to in the papers, on the sports programs? It went straight to that first test. And so when do you think? When is, when is a good time to play? It's got to be February. So, again, my, my thinking again, this is just me. And like I said, we're going to get people on to tell us why this isn't going to happen or why it doesn't suit. But in November and December... This country, it's all about the cricket. Then we have um, Christmas, New Year's, and that one magnificent test in Sydney. After that, the tennis starts, and the focus becomes the tennis. The back pages are all tennis. It's played all across the country. But in February and early March, there is an opportunity where golf will have its time to shine. We'll all be sick of cricket. We'll all definitely be sick of tennis. And there is an opportunity there. Now, when the Australian Masters used to be played in February, I'm telling you, it was the biggest tournament in Australia by a mile. Yep. And it was because of those factors. We were sick of tennis and we are sick of the cricket. And my goodness, when the big boys came to town, the entire focus around this country was what was happening at the Australian Masters at Huntingdale. And I think there is an opportunity now to move our tournaments past Christmas in the February, and have a wonderful Australian swing up against the South African swing. And, you know, what the ladies have done, what they've done so far with their two tournaments, the Mick Open, the Australian Open at that time, is absolutely perfect, and it's working. So, Marco, the Australian PGA is now, they've pushed it back to mid-January. What do you think yes. about that? Yeah, well, that's nice, but I'd love to see a swing. Yeah, I'd, I'd love a reason. It's a long way to come down here, Tiff. Yeah. It's a really long way to get down here. I'd love to see a swing. So we need three in a row, four in a row, and throw in New Zealand as well. You know, that's part of our tour. And yeah. have an Australian swing. So when people decide to come down uh, down under, come down to the great southern land, that they're not just flying in for 24 hours and flying out a week later, that they actually stay they and play. Yeah. I think that's really important. I'd love to know what Maddie Griffin thinks well, about Well, yeah, let's, let's bring Maddie Griffin in, a very happy Melbourne supporter. We just have to mention that. He's still basking in the glory of the Ds. And why wouldn't you after such a long wait? Welcome, Maddie Griffin, to the show. Morning, Tiff. Thanks for having us. So uh, just first of all, let's, we'll get to what Marco's just been ranting about, but uh, just, just Melbourne's win. How much is that? Um, just put a smile on your face for the last few weeks. Oh, it's been incredible. It uh, was, a, was a very nerve-wracking uh, long September, but we, uh, we got, got through it. And that, uh, I think that last half has been on rotation in all Melbourne households uh, very, very regularly since. And what do you think about Mark's suggestions? Yeah, I think, I mean, we, one thing in Australian golf that we've known over the last sort of 25 years is that it's gradually sort of deteriorated. So doing the same thing isn't, isn't necessarily going to work so we have to think outside the box and the great the events that have been a success over the last five ten years since I've, I've been playing have, have been the Vic Open which is a bit different We've got the men and women playing down there and that's been a great success and based on the back of the local talent really that 
that wasn't a success because it became a European tour event. It was a success because of the format and everyone got around. Uh, And then we've had the early, early this year, we had the TPS events, which the vibe around those two tournaments was something I haven't felt in Australian golf for a while. So uh, really, I think embracing that talent um, that we have at home and, and, and getting into a swing at the start of the year, I think when we get all the eyeballs on Australian golf is, is a great way to go. Tell me, Maddie, how hard is it for young professionals using the Australian peso when they go overseas and, and, and try and get on a tour? How difficult is it with money pressure in the background? Oh, extremely difficult. You're looking just to get on, just to get on the PJ tour going through three stages, you're looking at fifteen, fifteen thousand dollars. Europe's probably around ten thousand. So yep. just to start up is really difficult. And the other aspect of we haven't had a tournament in Australia that's been over three hundred thousand since uh, March in twenty twenty. So it's been a long time. All the local base players to to play any golf that can put some money in their pocket so they can take their games overseas. Tell me this, you know, the Challenge Tour is right there and I've spoken to the people who run the European Tour before and they'd welcome the Australian events and not only our big trophies but our small trophies as well, South Australian Open, West Australian Open, Queensland Open. What about if we were working towards, and I know you can't just flick your fingers and things change, but what about if we were working towards, as a country, and a golf-loving country, that in 10 years' time, maybe we could get those smaller events before Christmas on the Challenge Tour and they count towards something to where perhaps one day you play well, you win one of those Challenge Tour events, and at least you've got a Challenge Tour tournament scheduled to go to for the rest of the season. Would that suit? That would be a great, great idea because um, having... I guess the biggest thing out of a tour that you want is opportunity to move on. You, you're not going to be able to sustain a long-term career just playing in Australia. You need to move overseas. So having an opportunity to win a co-sanctioned event uh, and even at the challenge level gets you on that stepping stone through to the through the bigger tours. And and hopefully down the track we might even be able to get a couple of Corn Ferry events or that back over the years, you've seen a lot of the guys that jumped to America back 10, 15 years ago went through that pathway. So the more events we get can get that give us a chance to jump overseas, the better. Hey, uh, Matty, Jeff Ogilvy just announced the Sand Belt invitation a few, few days ago. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, extremely exciting. I think um, there's been a lot of talk over a number of years that we need to have an event like this, but no one has kind of been able to get it over the line. So it's... It's an incredible effort by Jeff and uh, and Mike Clayton to to put it together, and the for everything you're hearing about about the events really exciting. All the clubs are, are desperate to get it. I'm a member of Victoria, and all the members keep asking me why why haven't we got why aren't we on the rotation and and that. So I think all the Sandbelt clubs will really want to put their best foot forward so the courses be open, the public could be able to come in, and it'll be a great way to head into Christmas and watch them. Really talented golf golfers go about their business. Yeah. Hey, if if we've been if we dare to dream, and maybe one day, you know, the Sandbelt Classic becomes a World Golf Championship event, and that's sandwiched in between some of the other tournaments that we have in February. Do you think we could maybe get a little bit of the cream and playing in an Australian Open, playing in you know an Australian PGA, if that one was right in the middle? I mean, because we're in a position now where we. We should be daring to dream and there should be a 10-year plan. Do you think that would work? 
Oh, absolutely. I think you talk to any player and they the chance to come and play the sandbot. I know Rory was uh, ready to, wanted to come down and play the Australian Open when it was going to be at Kingston Heath. So having it on these courses will will bring that talent talent here. And uh, and, then, and then hopefully you, you build it around like in the Presence Cup years we've been able to do with a bit of talent coming to play the Australian Open and PGA. So hopefully it's a great way to attract, attract some more talent to our shores. Now, now, Tiffany, can I, just, can I just say before I go any further, there will be reasons why these things aren't considered. And you and I on the golf show here, the Australian golf show, we're going to have an opportunity to talk with the people in charge. And, and we might even find out what they have planned. And they, it could be even better than what we've just suggested there. So I'm really looking forward to having that opportunity to t- talk to the big, pa- the, the big guys and the big girls and see what they have planned for our future. Actually, and I just on that note too, Maddie, I wanted to get your thoughts. I mean, you talked about the Victorian, um, you know, championships, and what about the Australian Open having that as a as a men's and women's held tournament held together? Can you see that being successful? Yeah, I think there's definitely potential for that, and I, I even think it could have been something that could have been explored this year as a sort of way to get us through the through the COVID times. But one of the hard things is finding a venue, but. Because you need you need separate championships with the men's and women's Australian Open. You can't have a, a dual one like those TPS events. But it, it is a great way and it's something that will set our national championship apart from um, other others around the world. Well, so what's up for you, Maddie? Where do you where do you go now once COVID's just easing off? Where are you going to be finding yourself? Uh, so I'll be I'll be um, playing some events in December here in uh, Victoria. We've got the Victorian PGA, uh, then the Gippsland Classic um, Super Six event, and then the Jeff Ogilvie event, and then yep. I'll start, start play the early summer in Australia, and then head back to Japan come April. So it'd be nice to get back to uh, full full swing of things. Well, we uh, wish you all the very best, and and thanks for your input and your thoughts on on where we're at and, uh, and obviously some exciting times ahead. You know, it's always with controversy and, and, and things like that, there's uh, opportunity for change and, and to make things better. So let's uh, look forward to what happens over the coming months and next couple of years. Definitely. Uh, thanks, Tiff and Mark. I look forward to watching the show and uh, hopefully we get some uh, big events on our shores soon. Good on you, Maddie. Sure. Thanks, mate. Hey, hey Tiff, who have you cherry picked for us next? Well, coming up, we have Karis Davidson. As I said at the top of the show, Marco, looking forward to this rising star of Australian golf. She's uh, got her eyes set on the big time over in the US and she's looking pretty good. So we'll check in with Karis right after this. With Australian Golf Media, you're back inside the ropes. Joining us now is a young woman who was born in Scotland and introduced to golf by her dad, aged just four. Her family emigrated to Australia, settling on the Gold Coast a few years later, where she's been a rising star, joining the International Golf Academy, the ANK Golf, age 11, before turning pro in 2018 and playing on the Japan LPGA Tour. Now she has her sights set on the LPGA in the US and has put herself in contention, surviving tour school in Florida over the weekend. Congratulations and welcome to Karis Davidson. Hi, thank you. <laughs> What a uh, well, what a, a tough initi- initiation going over to Florida. I know it's pretty pretty tough over there. So tell us, you're the only Aussie woman of the bunch who got through to a school this week after successive rounds of 72 and a tie for 25th, I believe, three shots inside the cutoff. How tough was it? Yeah, it was just really mentally tiring. Um, you know, Q school. I've 
I've only done one before in Japan and it was just, it's just so exhausting because every shot is, you know, it means everything really. Um, so you just got to commit to every shot, um, put a hundred percent in, you know, so it was very, very drooling, but, you know, also very rewarding that I've made it through. Karis, tell us about the game plan because, they're, they're, you know, people listening, they'll think it's just golf. You know, you've just got to shoot some more good scores and away you go. But it is a very, very different mindset because you're not playing for cash. You're playing for a new job and a really special new job. So did you have a centre of the greens game plan from the start or were you playing overly safe than you would normally when you're trying to win a trophy? What, what happened on that first tee? What were you thinking? Um, well, definitely my plan for the week was to not go for any par fives in two and not, you know, if there was no hazards or anything in front of the green, I probably would have, but a couple of the holes, you know, there was water there and, you know, it's just really not worth the risk because, you know, you might as well lay up and pars are good at Q school and when you get a birdie, it's a bonus and you just roll with it. Um, and I think, well, obviously if you can easily reach it's different, but I knew that I was going to stick to my game plan um, and definitely aiming for the middle of the greens yeah. was one of those when, you know, there's a tight pin on the right on a par three. I was like, yep, just middle of the green. I was picking some bushes in the background. I was just <laughs> straight for that. And I was like, just get it on the green and make a two part and get onto the neck. So how close, how close did you have to be? to actually shoot at the pin? Because, I mean, you've got to make some birdies. You've got, you've got to get some momentum, even though it's a tour school. And we're, you know, you're trying to get up that order as fast as you can and as high as you can. Did you yeah, have well, a go zone? Yeah, well, obviously, you know, you get um, a certain amount of holes where, you know, you can be like, right, green light here, you know, try and get it a bit closer. And, yeah, and I just think that it was sort of strategy um, – to be smart enough to go right on this hole, I'm just going to aim for the middle of the green or yep on this hole, I'm just going to lay up. I think that that was a big key um, in last week for sure. And Karis, you've just spent three years playing your trade as a pro on the Japan LPGA tour. What grounding has that given you as you look to take the step onto the biggest stage for women in the sport? Um, well, yeah, it was obviously Japan was really tough, the language barrier and doing everything myself. So, you know, as soon as you get to Florida, like Golf Australia have been really helpful, like just with guidance and contacts and, you know, it's kind of about who you know in the sport. Um, and I think it really grounded me because it made me appreciate like, you know, this is what I want to do and um, got to always appreciate it. So, yeah. And tell us a little bit about the Japan Tour and why you chose that to kick off your professional career. Um, well, to be honest, it was because I was in the ANK Golf Academy and, you know, I'd learned a lot about the Asian culture and I kind of wanted to um, further that and try the food, um, you know, meet the people, learn more about the culture, learn some of the language. Um, and I think that was my goal um but then as I got a bit older you know I definitely realized that I want to be somewhere that speaks English and I can have more friends around and family can come over and visit more often 
Harris, we remember you from uh, the runner-up position you had at the Vic Open in, in 2018. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, it was close too. I remember. I mean, you, you had a, you had a you had a fantastic week. What did that tournament? Did, did you did your confidence springboard from that runner-up spot? To be honest, it was like quite a surreal feeling because it was my first proper professional event and I came runner-up and I was like, yeah. wow, it was amazing. Like, I didn't even know what to think. Like I had zero dollars in my bank account before that week and I think that it was a blessing that I did so well that week because it so, sort of kicked so off. Could, to start. Can, we, can we just delve into that and just, and just your mindset? Because it was an incredible week. I remember reading about it, you know, in rounds two and three, and I'm thinking to myself, is she going to hang on to this girl? What's going to happen? Uh, what, what were, you know, what were you like standing with, with no money in the bank, like you say? You're standing on the first tee in, in a fantastic event. What was the mindset, you know, going? What, what were you thinking on that first tee? Can you remember? Honestly, I, I would know for sure that I would have just been excited to be there and have the opportunity to play. And I was like, wow, this is, you know, this is cool. Like, watch all the <laughs> pros around. I was like, you know, kind of like a little girl in a candy store or something, you know? And you ended up playing, the last round you played with Minji Lee and Hannah Green, of course, two of the biggest stars on world golf. What did you learn from them? Um, well, I I was pretty... Well, I am pretty good friends with Hannah. Um, we did a lot of travelling together as amateurs, so it was quite comfortable with her. Um, and, yeah, you know, she's obviously a fantastic golfer. And Minji at the time, I think, you know, she had such an oozing of self-confidence and I just, you know, she was hitting these shots that I was like, wow, you know, you have to be really trusting in yourself. And I think I learned a lot from her that day, like, I was like in awe, like with her ball striking and everything. It was, yeah, incredible. And just with, like, that's what I'm saying. Obviously, Hannah was incredible as well, but because we were friends and I knew her, it was just like, oh, we're playing together again. Like, this is cool. <laughs> Karis, you look like such a natural player to me. Uh, and that's, you know, it, it's beautiful to watch, you know, when someone just gets up to the table. I, I used to always love watching Ian Woosdom, you know, one or two waggles, look at the target, and Wooshka, the ball would magically go there. I, I love watching the players like you. You seem to make the game look simple. Now, is that what you feel like? Is it just one look and shoot, or is there a little bit more to what you do? Um, well, my coach is obviously is Ian Triggs, um, and I've been, you know, in contact with him since I was 12, and it got more full-time as I turned professional, and he's very old school, very natural, you know, um, with technique and everything, and it, we just really clicked. You know, I think during key school after the first round, I was like, you know, there was a couple of shots going to the right, like, is it this? And he was like, yep, yeah, it's what we were doing on the range that time, like our communication and mm. um, I feel so lucky to have that and I think a lot of people don't so I think that that's you know that's incredible but definitely you know I've definitely gotten into a bit more shaping in the last couple of years um, you know you just got to be well in my opinion a bit creative with the golf ball otherwise you know 
it'll get a bit boring out there. <laughs> and and Karis, tell us a bit about your upbringing. You were born in Melrose in Scotland. I won't put the accent on, but we, I, I believe that you've got a great one. And you're introduced to the game by your dad. How much influence did he have on this natural swing of yours? And uh, and you know, and obviously just the rich history of of golf in the country. Yeah, well, I mean, I was born in Melrose, but the town I grew up in was called Inalethan, and it only had 3,000 people in it, so, you know, everyone knows each other. And, um, yeah, my dad was quite a keen golfer over there at the time, and he was a major influence on my golf, and, you know, he, my mum and dad always gave me the best opportunities, um, you know, and I was so, I'm so grateful for that now, you know, they really like, my dad pushed me a little bit extra all the time and I, you know, <laughs> we fight, but I think now, you know, once you get older, you sort of understand why your parents did those things. And, and so, yeah. and do you, do you slip back into the accent when you go, when you go back there or, you know, when you're around your parents, can you, can you say something to us with a bit of a Scottish accent? Yeah, it totally goes right back to the Scottish accent. <laughs> <laughs> Very classic. good. Hey, Karis, just quickly, uh, if all things go well, and we don't look too far ahead, but you, you get your card, what city in America have you eyed off mm. living in? Because there are so many wonderful places. I know I used to stay in Dallas because of the airport and you could get anywhere in the world and that was my, you know, one of the only reasons. But there are so many wonderful cities I know there's an Australian golf house near Orlando. Is that appealing? Yeah, that's where I am right now. And um, everyone's over having an American barbecue actually outside. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think probably Orlando. Um, You know, it just feels safe. Um, And I think it's quite accessible. You drive a couple of hours to the beach. um, And a few of, you know, my friends live here, like golfers, so... Right. And what, what's the golf course like? Well, I mean, what are the, you know, where you practice? Because the stories we hear, I've spent no time in Florida, like hardly any time at all. But you hear about all these amazing venues to actually go and play. Which courses do you get to use? Um, well, the Golf Australia House, we practice at OCN, which is 15 minutes down the road. Um, you know, we play there a little bit. The boys did first stage of Corn Ferry to a Q school there. Um, and I got the chance to go to Isleworth one of the days. Wow. Which is, and I saw the um, fire extinguisher that Tiger Woods reversed into. This is what we want to hear. Isn't Tiger, wasn't he who you idolised growing up? Yeah, I absolutely love, like, his golf. You know, he played these incredible, like, shapes with the ball that, you know, not everyone can do so. Right. I just thought he was so cool. And just before we go, Karis, uh, so what's next? You'll tee up for the LPGA Tour Q series starting late November, I believe, and that's what is that two weeks um, cumulative tournament that awards a top forty-five finishers a card for the LPGA Tour. Yeah, so that's so I'm actually going to Scotland um, in six days a week to spend with my family. Um, and then once I get back, it'll just be, you know, preparing for the Q series. Um, and one of my good friends, Holly Clyburn's caddying me. Um, and, you know, we've got Luke Mackie coming to give us some masseuse work for the week. So it's all coming into place. Um, just have to get a few things organised. 
Fantastic, right. Taris. Best wishes from everyone back here in Australia and good luck at that Q series. We, we really are. We've got our fingers crossed for you. Thank you very much. Appreciate yeah, it. All the best, Karis. Thanks so much. And coming up next, we have the Gazelle, Golf Australia Media Manager, Martin Blake, with all the news around Australia and the world. And gee, weren't there some brilliant performances over the weekend? That's coming up next. With Australian Golf Media, you're back inside the ropes. Welcome back to the Australian Golf Show, where we take you inside the ropes now with the Gazelle, Martin Blake, with all the news from around the globe. Some good performances uh, overseas, including the oldest, uh, the oldest winner on the PG and the PGA Tour, Blakey. Pretty impressive performance. That's Bernard Langer you're talking about, uh, Tiff, I presume. 64 That's years of old, I should say. Well, there's hope for Marco, isn't there, if uh, <laughs> Bernard Langer. Marco, any, <laughs> any chance of a comeback? <laughs> uh, I used to hit the ball short and crooked compared to the best yeah. players, Blakey, so I don't think it's going to change as I get older. He is a freak. Look, Tournament golf has been interesting the last couple of weeks, Tiff and Marco, because um, you know, some of the fields are very thin at the moment around the world, to be perfectly honest. A lot of the good players are, are resting up, but we've had some good tournaments. And Hideki Matsuyama, the, the win of the Zozo Championship yeah. in, in Japan, was, was quite something, particularly the way that he finished it off. And I think, Marco, you're going to talk about that a bit later, yeah. but you know, the, the, I think five wood or three wood to the, to the 18th hole, 72nd hole, absolutely brought the house down. And so good to see some golf with crowds out there, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and- it certainly is. And I'll tell you, one thing I noticed about Hideki, he is the world champion in hitting the one-handed, where's that looking, where's it going to go shot, and you, the camera follows the ball and, and ends stiff. up 10 feet. Yeah, it yeah. goes to 10 feet. It's, it's, it's actually hard to comprehend how many times he does it. Um, and the master class a little bit later. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later, but he was yeah. great to watch. I'd like you to explain to me, because I had a lesson uh, with Andrew Bartram out at uh, Yarra Yarra recently, and he said, I want you to swing like Matsuyama. I want you to put that little pause in the top of the yeah. swing. So you might want to talk about that a bit, a bit later, Mark. <laughs> now, Jin Young-Ko, the Korean player who won the Australian Women's Australian Open a couple of years ago. She's back to number one in the world. That was pretty sensational as well, to be perfectly honest. She went to that event in Korea, in her home country, playing on the LPGA with 14 consecutive rounds in the 60s, which equaled the all-time record. Uh, she didn't break the record held by Annika Sorenstam uh, because she shot, I think, 71 or 72 on the first day. But she then popped in three more sub-70 sub rounds, so... Uh, she won it. She's taken over from Nelly Corder as the number one women's player in the world. Oh, wow. Minji Lee finished 12th in that. She's yep. super, super consistent. Minji's just an ATM in action there. And uh, I forgot to mention Maddie Jones finishing in the top 20 in yep. the Zozo as well. Maddie Jones was the only Australian in that field. A couple of more things around the traps, just some amateur stuff, guys. Uh, the Australian Order of Merit winners were announced yesterday and Jack Buchanan from South Australia was the Men's Order of Merit champion and Kirsten Rudgley, who from WA, who we had on the program a couple of weeks ago, uh, she won the Women's Order of Merit, was runner-up in the Australian Amateur earlier this year. Uh, she was picked in the team to go to the Asia-Pacific Championships for amateurs early next month in the UAE, in the Middle East, and uh, she's not going because she... Can't get a or guarantee a flight back, so she's not going to be there. But Lucas Michelle will lead the Australians there, former winner of the US Mid Amateur, who went and played at Augusta. And watch out for Madison Hinson Tolshard from WA, who's possibly the 
the star player on the women's group in that event. Uh, she's at college in the States. Uh, just wanted to mention while I'm here, um, the Vic Open, it kind of got lost in the the announcement of the cancellation of the men's and women's Australian Opens. A lot of people have said, oh, what's happened to the Vic Open? Well, yeah, what is happening? the Vic Open is going to happen. Um, it, it hasn't been fully announced yet, but in mid-February there will be a Vic Open at 13th Beach. The club is very keen. They build up, you know, obviously missed a year because of COVID uh, earlier this year, but in mid-February we will have a Vic Open. It'll be worth about, um, I believe it's going to be worth about a million. Um, so, you know, for the two, wow. two events. Yeah, uh, that's so, fantastic. So, uh, you know, the negotiations are there. There'll be an announcement on that soon, but you can rest assured that that'll go ahead. And Just on that, Blakey, that, yeah. that is absolutely sensational by everybody who's involved to get that event up, considering what Victoria has been through the last two years, to actually come out the other side of Christmas and have a tournament with the, the gravitas that the Victorian Open now has. So, well, you know, the kids and the girls and, and all the young players have got a place to play and play for a little bit of pocket money. I reckon that's one of the great efforts in sport uh, yeah. through COVID. And it's such a, uh, a great, well, not even breeding ground, it's a great opportunity for the young stars to announce themselves. You know, there's a... a that's right. Minwoo Lee won the now. Victorian Open and now he's yeah. a regular on a Thursday and Friday night when we sit back and watch what's happening on that European tour. So that's yeah. what we're talking about, you know, just those pathways to get overseas. If you can yep. snag a win at the Vic Open, uh, I'm not sure what the status of the late last time the ladies, it was a US LPGA event. So yes. you, you, know, you win that one and you back then you, you, you've got a US tour card. So well, the sanctions is, what, have gone, Marco, uh, for this year because of the prize money's been dropped. Doesn't matter. So, doesn't so there's no right. European sanction for the men. There's no uh, US sanction for the women. But they will be sanctioned by the Australasian PGA Tour for the men and the women's PGA for the for the women's side. So well uh, they'll, they'll have some options there and, and some decent prize money. So the likes of Matty Griffin, who we spoke to earlier, of course, um, you know, he'll be he'll be teeing it up there. I'm not sure whether Minwoo Min Lee would be there. He's got the European Tour Championship coming up. He's actually back in Perth at the moment, Minwoo having a little break and then he's going back to Dubai for the European Tour Championship, which I think is worth 10 million US. Yep, yep, something like that. He's ranked uh, in the top he's ranked in the top ten in Europe this year, Min Wooly. So isn't that amazing? so he's really a Victorian open success story. And yeah. we love those. That's a bit like Karis. A bit like well, I was gonna say, she's a Victorian open success absolutely. story as well. Yeah, even though she finished uh, she didn't actually win it. She but Still, um, well, hopefully, we'll be talking about some other young up-and-coming players on the back of the uh, of the Big Open, and we'll be following them over the course of the coming year. Have you ever played under lights, either, either of you? Yes. Yes. Whereabouts? Uh, a little golf course called Treasure Island in Lubbock, Texas. It was a par three course, and it was and fantastic played, fun. And I played in the States as well. I can't remember the right. name of it, but it was a lot of fun. Reason I mention it is Minji Lee is defending her title at the Dubai Moonlight Classic this week. In in obviously yeah. in Dubai, they it's at the Emirates Golf Club in Dubai. They tried it last year. It's the first time that they've ever had a, a tournament on a proper world tour. It's a ladies' European tour event. Uh, it's the first time they've ever played an event in a proper tour under lights. Minji Lee won it. Somehow I saw through the darkness because it didn't it didn't look that really great on TV. She somehow saw and, and nailed a putt on the 18th green or the 72nd hole to win the win the event. She's going back to defend this week because I reached out to Minji 
uh, this week. So, and how and, good uh, is it though? That that type of theatre goer, you know, those those events. That's how we draw in the new crowds. That's how we we capture the yeah. imagination of the the millennials and the Gen Zs who are who want a bit of action and something a bit glitzy. So, can I tell you a little secret too? I just want you to watch out for the golf ball in this tournament. There's a few little magic tricks that some of the big, uh, big name ball brands around the world have done, and I think you're going to see something a little bit special uh, yeah, when you oh, see. Oh no, no, no! Just, just the colours, just the colours going through the sky. I think it's going to be amazing. Hey, one last thing from me. Uh, there's been some some headlines this week about the Great White Shark. Uh, we Ooh. can't get through a program without him coming. Is he going to? I think he might be going to run the Saudi world tour that they're trying to you know the the disruption world tour yeah are you kidding me Blake? Uh, i didn't know I've, I've not heard this now that's that this is a mind frank norman is like going to be norman. the ceo if you believe the the headlines that are around the golf websites um he's i think 66 years of age but there's an irony in this marco because and tiff because 25 years ago he wanted to start a world tour greg norman right. and, the, and the u.s tour and tim fincham the Commissioner at the time stopped him and, and block, blocked him at every turn, so it never happened. Uh, it was a great idea. It was a great idea. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I, I love the World Golf Championship events. I, I mentioned them a little while ago. I mean, they're not majors, but they're very big events, and they're played around the world. You know, they're starting to branch out from just America. I thought that was enough, you know. I, I mean, I love the US Tour and the European Tour with both the men's and the ladies, but just to have the World Golf Championships there as well, uh, that was enough for me to, you know, every, more often than not, you get the best players playing against each other for big money, and that that creates interest. Well, you know what? Let's let's get Greg Norman on the show, have a chat about it. Oh, we have to. He, he probably would, although he hasn't said anything about it as yet, but it's been reported in several places, and actually our producer today, Rod Murray, wrote a column which mentioned it during the week, and Brad Clifton wrote about it in the Golf Digest during the week as well, at, uh, you know, suggesting that he was a great man, for the job, I mean, Mickelson keeps getting mentioned as a, a target to play. Adam Scott keeps getting mentioned as a target. Um, some of these guys who are a little bit more, you know, a little bit older um, and and have had their, you know, the bulk of their careers, they're, they're definitely targets for something like this. It's going to be the story of 2022, I think, the, the Saudi uh, impact on world golf. Uh, you know, the US Tour and the European Tour have tried to band together in some ways to to block it and the, the US tour created that PIP program where they yeah. reward uh, some of the, you know, the bigger name players for, for bringing, you know, attention to the, to the league. But what would happen? I wonder if um, the Saudis came to Australia uh, offering money. Oh, because um, I, I, I would not be surprised that. if it happened. Yeah. Oh, oh, there's every opportunity. There's every, there's every chance I'll reach out, especially if Greg's going to be the CEO. Yeah. I think I, I think wonder how that'll be. That'll be offered, but I don't know whether it'll be accepted. Yeah, I doubt. The world, like the World Series of cricket. When was that mm. back in the? It, it's 70s? a Kerry Packer scenario. Yeah, absolutely, it is in every at. way. Uh, honestly, it's this exciting. will be this. This is going to be the story of 2022. Is is the Saudi situation? They've they've already uh, got a tournament in in, a, in the Asian Tour, which has been decimated by by COVID in the last couple of years. Uh, they've already picked up a, a tournament there, and they're they're out there. They're out there. Greg apparently has been to tournaments talking to players. So uh, it's Kerry Packer. Here we go again. 
Absolutely. All right. Well, Martin, thanks for all that. It's certainly a lot to look forward to and uh, keep our eyes out on. And we appreciate all the news that you've brought us and um, we'll check in again with you next week. Thanks, guys. All right, Martin Blake there with all the news from around the globe. And we're going to uh, take another short break. Marco, we'll be back with the Marco's Masterclass uh, coming up next. With Australian Golf Media, you're back inside the ropes. Well, listening to the Australian Golf Show, it's um, Mark Allen and Tiffany Terry, and I'm hitting it straight over to you, Marco, for your Marco's Masterclass. Who have you got this week? Okay, so I had a good look at Hideki Matsuyama last week. Uh, a lot of pressure on him going back to Japan, uh, being the Masters champion, probably doing a lap of honour with the green jacket. <laughs> well, and, start, and starting that back nine with the weight of Japan on his shoulders. Now, I reckon we've all been in a situation as as local golfers, you know, as club golfers, where you might have had 36 points after 16 holes. You're having a great day. But the danger is you start to steer the ball and you start to try and push the ball around instead of attacking still. You've got to have an attacking mindset. Um, Hideki didn't do that. And, and the reason Hideki doesn't do that is because of his left hip. And, and this is the key to not steering the ball. When you try and push the ball around the golf course, your body stops. And when your body stops, the golf club will whiz through and the club face will, will just go. It's, it's like a windscreen wiper at that stage. There's no squareness through impact. So if your body stops, you're in trouble. You're in real trouble. So what Hideki does and what the best players in the world do, their first move, basically their right arm gets onto their rib cage. That's how they start the backswing. What that does, it gets the golf shaft online. Now, once that golf shaft's online, that left hip just whizzes around to the left as far as it can possibly go. And that way, you just can't steer the ball. Now, some people will, will rip that left hip early, almost like the first move. I don't think that works for most golfers. I think what does work for most golfers is the right arm goes back to the rib cage where it started, and then it's time to rip that left hip as far left and as far as you can go. And the ball, back. I promise you, will just get in the way. And you'll never steer the ball ever again. So thanks to Hideki. All right. Well, I'm going to meet you down at Sandringham and we're going to hit some balls and uh, have a bit of a practice on that one. Hey, speaking of Hideki and what he did, bookended the uh, the season for him. Who else has done that, uh, won the Masters and the, uh, and the, the Zozo Championships? Oh, go on. You've got me. Great. Tiger Woods back in 2019. Just a little bit of research. Yeah, you did that. <laughs> I reckon I could, if you ever if you ever ask me about any records again, my first guess will be Tiger, and I reckon I'll be right. There you go. Yeah, he uh, what did he do? He re, he equaled Sam Snead's record for the most wins on the tour with eighty two, and hasn't uh, won. He's, he's too good. Absolutely. Too good. All right. Well, Marco, that was uh, superb. Thank you. I'm um, looking forward Catch to all you your week. trips through the week. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to another show. We'll uh, we'll check in same time next week.